You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. I'm so excited. Um, I know not next Sunday, but the next, on, I believe it is the 11th, uh, Dr. Johann Brewer from South Africa will be with us on a Sunday morning. He will be speaking on Sunday morning. Some of you know his wife uh, went to death's door. In fact, he, he contacted the pastors and asked if we... In fact, our church sent him two or $300 to help pay for the funeral. That's how bad it was. She had battled cancer and battled and battled and battled, and God gave them a phenomenal miracle. On Sunday morning, October the 11th, I believe it is, uh, whatever, it is, 11th or 12th, I'm not sure, but nonetheless, he'll be here... Uh, Sunday morning service, and then on that Wednesday night, he will be giving his testimony uh, about his wife on that Wednesday night. So, Dr. Johan Brewer, we're looking forward to that. Also, on that same, that Sunday night, we don't normally have night service, but not next Sunday, but the following, we will have a regional rally right here. Lots of churches will come together, and we'd love your support. It is a district regional rally. They call it R3. And uh, we're going to have a great time together. And uh, God is going to bless us immensely. Pastor John Harris from the Bay Harbor Church of God uh, in Brunswick will be uh, preaching that night. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, He and his dad. And so we're going to have a great time together. just wanted to mention that to you, uh, lest I should forget it. And then again, if uh, and I know our host will say it. I cannot emphasize to you enough the importance of signing up for a life group. Let me say this before I jump into the voice, the battle round. Two things that stood out to me last week, and and my hat's off to Ken and Tara, and all of those of you who put last week together, our host, Sean and Shantae Strong, did such a wonderful job hosting, and uh, it was just incredible. All the speeches I paid particular attention to, it's hard to lie to me if I'm looking at you. Amen? I believe I can be a judge of character pretty good. And the children, 60-some-odd children on the stage, that was a highlight for me. I just enjoyed that greatly. But every, almost everybody that spoke, and there was a number of you, I heard a number of um, statements that attributed life groups to them getting involved in the church. And so I told Ken that, our life group's pastor, I said, Brother Ken, it's an incredible thing to hear how people got connected with the harbor through life groups. So my hat's off to you. Please sign up for them. We're going to have some wonderful, wonderful groups. Some of them already filled up. But now let me welcome you to our next, uh, I think it's the third or fourth now, installment in The Voice series. I wish we had the little voice. Oh, there we go. Uh, Have we got the little, uh, this is The Voice? No? I can't sing it like Josh. He broke it out the other day. I just can't do it. And uh, I'll have a... Hey! Yeah. I'd be in trouble if I tried to do it. So um, they take the mic out of my hand when it comes to singing. So uh, <laughs> I don't do that side of it. I'll leave that to Kelly and the praise team and Adam and all of those that do, do wonderful with it. Today I want to talk with you about a subject entitled, It's a Battle. Some of you know, and I told you that thousands and thousands of people stand in line for block after block after block 
to go into an auditorium, some kind of arena for the producers of the series, The Voice, which just kicked off a couple of weeks ago. Kelly records every part of it. So if you miss it and you need to see it, just call Kelly. She'll hook you up. She knows all about them, especially if they're on Blake's team. She just knows all about them. But anyway, nonetheless, they go in there and uh, they bring ten singers at a time. Producers sit there and they begin to sing uh, whatever they choose to sing. And then they either get, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do it cordially, you know. Uh, you, you'll receive something in the mail that either you go on to the next step or thank you for trying out. And, uh, you know, you've got talent but not quite enough just yet. Anyway, they'll do something like that. But anyway, what I said to you is it is amazing feat just to be able to walk on the stage out in California of the show called The Voice. I mean, you have already beat thousands and thousands of people, if not tens of thousands of people, you've already rose to that level just to get on the stage. And then when you get on the stage, you've got, I think, 90 seconds that you get to try to shine. I mean, you get to sing, and they're not looking at you. They don't care if you're fat, if you're skinny, if you're white, black, red, ugly, pretty. They don't know none of that. It's totally based on your voice. And, um, you know, I kind of like that because, you know, I like to look at a scripture. The Lord says, don't look on their appearance. He said, because I look on their heart. And so the judges are looking the other way, and then if they like what they hear, they hit the red button, and their chair turns around, and then that means... Uh, that coach has turned for that singer, and they believe in them enough to say, I'll be your coach. Now, way back at the very start of this, when I preached the first installment entitled, What's Your Story? I let you in on a secret that God has already turned for you. Every one of us here, He's already turned His chair for us. So He wants us on His team. Now, when those four judges turn around, if all four of them turn around, then they have a battle between them trying to tell that person, that singer, why they ought to choose them. Some of them will say, well, I turned first. Others will say, but I was waiting to hear the greatest note that you sang, and it came last. And then there will be those, but I grew up where you grew up. I was in the same type setting, and maybe um, we have the same history. I can help you. Whatever it is to get them to choose um, them as a coach. But God has already turned for you. And then we have what's called the blind audition. I like that. This is the phase they're in right now. It's really fun to watch. And um, they're just auditioning. The coaches are looking. That's why it's called a blind audition. And last time I preached to you, which was Sunday a week ago, not last but the one before, two weeks ago, I used the message of Saul of Damascus, uh, Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus road where his name became Paul because uh, I called it his blind audition because the Lord literally did strike him with blindness, period. And he could hear voices but see no man. And then how he got saved there, and I wish I had time to tell you that, but I really don't. So go to harborwc.com, click on media, and you can watch it. Amen. It'll be up. It's there. So you can check that out. So, but after the blind auditions, so they tell their story, they do the blind auditions, and then they go to what they call battle rounds, and then they go to knockouts, and I'm going to combine the battle rounds and the knockout today, and then we'll have one more where they actually do the live show, and that'll be next week. I'll be singing. No, I'm only teasing. <laughs> Boy, that would be a live show there. But anyway, um, so today I want to talk with you about it's a battle. Because what you got to understand is when that chair turned for that singer, 
I know mama and daddy and uncles and aunts and grandmas and all of them are in the room over to the side and they're jumping up and down and oh, they're high-fiving and turning flips and all that because it seems like they just won the voice, but they didn't. They just won the opportunity. Somebody turned for them and that is a step in the journey, but it's a long way, baby, from the end. It's not like they just now crowned them the voice. They just now gave them the introduction to fight. They just now gave them the introduction to say, we're going to really put you to the test and really see what you're made of and see if you're really up for it and if you can endure this great battle because it is going to be a battle. Have you ever noticed they talk to all the singers? And sometimes I wonder if the coaches are liars. Because they tell all of them, I mean they don't tell all of them, but they tell a lot of them. I've heard them over the years now. You're the best voice that I've ever heard. Well, of course, I know maybe that they update that. And they, you know, on and on and on. But nonetheless, whatever, they, they say what they need to get you to pick them as their coach. But nonetheless, it sets them up for a battle round. I want you to know life is a battle. Amen? And uh, I don't know if we're going to do it or not, but we're kicking around doing this series called Myth Busters. I'm not sure when it's going to go down, but we're working on it. But let me just throw out something real quick, and I'm not going to run it too long, but one of the greatest myths in all the world is that when you get saved, all your troubles go away. That, that, that once you've accepted Jesus Christ, everything else, is, I mean, after that, it's gravy, man. Your boat comes in, you get a pink Cadillac, I mean, your bills are paid, all of these things happen, and that is one of the greatest myths out there. They'll say, I mean, God must not be for me because I'm having a hard time. No, perhaps Satan don't give you any trouble because he's already got you. But life is a battle. And here's, today I want to share with you the battle round. And I would like to use uh, David when he was a young boy. We'll find this in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. We find David as a young boy, but verse number 47, I'm going to read this particular thing because this is so important for you to get this. If you don't get anything else, here's the information that you've got to get. And verse 47 said, Then all of the assembly shall know the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear. Now I'm going to go back and catch up on that, but, but this is what you really got to get. I, I'll put it in context in just a second. For the battle is the Lord's. For the battle is the Lord's. You, what you need to know today, if you don't get anything else, is this. There's going to be a fight. Life is a battle, and what's this? The battle is the Lord's. Tell your neighbor, the battle is the Lord's. I want to tell you guys, I've had to come to grips with this truth. And I oftentimes have to remind myself, as I did last night and this morning, that the battle is not mine, but the battle is the Lord's. You see... Um, that means the outcome of the battle is not entirely up to me. Now, that does not mean that I can just do any kind of thing and just sit in an easy chair and drink sweet tea and say, God, got it! Now, on one hand, it sounds that simplistic, but in reality, it's not that simplistic. But you are not ultimately responsible for the outcome of the battle either. Now, let me show you. As long as I am faithful to Him, 
He is responsible for the outcome. Watch this. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's what you've got to understand. If the devil was just flesh, I could take my pistol and shoot him. Are you all with me? Say amen. But he is not flesh. We do not wrestle against... Now, he manifests himself in the flesh sometimes, but I can't shoot them people. Are you all with me? <coughs> We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of darkness of this age, but, but uh, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So the battle is a spiritual battle. And you're not going to win spiritual battles fighting in the flesh. You're not going to win spiritual battles fighting in the flesh. Give Him praise. So we're not fighting flesh and blood. So you got to get this. It takes faith to stay obedient, to let go and let God. It takes faith. In fact, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, I spoke on faith. And it takes that kind of faith to say God is in control. Now, I know there's some control freaks out there that really want to be in control. And if you've ever had them on the passenger side, they're putting on brakes when you're giving it gas. Huh? Huh? You're, you know, you're, you're leaning this way and they're, you know, they're holding on to the handles, right? They, they want to be in control so bad they just can't take it. Amen? Uh, listen, it takes faith to let go and let God. But no matter what your battle is, no matter what your struggle is, let me help you understand this. Your battle might be over your job. Your battle might be over your income. Your battle might be over addictions. Your battle might be over your marriage. It may be over your wayward children. It may be over moving from one location to another. Or your faith. What church that you should align yourself with. I don't know what your battle is, but I do know that the battle is not yours, but it is God's. So stay obedient. Stay obedient to Him. Stay faithful to Him. And then watch the Lord fight for you. Are you with me? Watch the Lord fight for you. I don't know uh, if you've ever struggled, but I've struggled in battles before. Amen? I've struggled in battles physically. I've, I've struggled in battles spiritually, mentally. I have fought that fight a million times. I've struggled there. But the Lord says, you can rest in me. If you will be obedient, if you will walk in my ways, understand, the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of the Lord. Y'all want some more? In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy steps. Amen? The battle's not mine. The battle is the Lord's. So, let me say this. When you know that the battle's not yours, when you know that the outcome is not solely up to you, you know the battle's his, and that you know you're going to win no matter what it looks like. Uh, it's like Auburn was a few years ago. You know, I'll never forget when they beat Georgia in the last second. You remember that? It made me sick. I can't stand Auburn. I love all you Auburn fans. If you're out there, God bless you. I know you need prayer after yesterday. But I said Auburn is the luckiest team alive. How does that happen? 
that, that they that it goes down like that. I just can't understand it. And, and it was over, it seemed. And this guy returns this ball forever, you know, two football fields or something, and, and there they go. What I'm saying is no matter how bad it looks, and I remember telling somebody, I said, you know what, you could live 700 years and that'll never happen again. And if it didn't happen the very next week, so help you. I'm not kidding. But what I'm saying is this. No matter how bad it looks, it might be the fourth quarter and down to four seconds. Oh, my goodness. And you're down. But God has a way of making. So what I'm saying is this. If I know the battle is not mine, if I know the battle belongs to him, oh, my goodness. I know that in the end, somehow, I'm going to win. Why? Because Romans 8 and 28 says, And He causes all things to work together for the good of them that love God and are the called according to His purpose. That scripture's not for everybody, friend. That's for those who love God and who are called according to God's purpose. So, let me say it like this. When I realize the battle's not mine, when I realize it's God's, no matter if it's a financial battle, an addiction, addiction battle, a marriage battle, a children battle, think of the worst day in your life. Think of the worst tragic news you've got. Maybe it come from the laboratory. Maybe it come from the lawyer's office. I don't know where it come from. But when all of hell has unleashed its power on you and those closest to you, that said they would never walk away, did. And when family no longer comes around or calls, and friends stand aloof and look at you, when people can't comprehend your struggle, it is still God's battle. You've heard this, well, if I was him, I'd have done this. Well, you ain't him. Hello? You have, you've probably said that before, and I've said that before. But you cannot appreciate it properly until you stand in his moccasins, if you will. Until you stand there and see what he's looking at, or she's looking at, or they're looking at. Until you get it from their vantage point. Are you hearing me? So it's very easy to judge them early. But listen, it's on that day you've got to remember that the battle does not belong to you. The battle is God's. You, you do have a role to play. Hear me when I say this. You do have a role to play. I want to make this abundantly clear. Your involvement is of great importance. You must remain faithful to Him and to His Word. I don't care what the struggle looks like. I don't care how many times you fail. Get back on your knees and ask God to forgive you and give you strength to get up and go again. He will take care of the outcome of the battle. No matter what it looks like, you're going to win in the end. So be brave. We just sang it. You make me brave. You make me brave. I want to just sing it again. You know, he says, you make me brave. Knowing he's in charge, that makes me brave. Huh? Knowing that he's with me. When I was in sixth grade, I had a little bully. Lived down the road from me. Had long blonde hair. That's back when boys didn't have long hair. Anyway, he had long hair. He was a bully. I was in the sixth grade. I don't know how many times he had failed, but he was there. And none... Man, he used, to, he used to give me a fit. I won't ever forget it. I was kind of scared of him. I, no, I ain't no kind of. I was scared of him. And uh, I remember going down to the store, and he was intimidating. The store was just down the road from the house. But I remember he was down there one day, and so I got about halfway, saw he was there. I decided I'd just go on back to the house. 
I got back to the house and Daddy happened to come in from work. And he said, uh, well, wasn't you going to the store? Yeah, well, you didn't get nothing. No, I didn't want nothing. And, and of course, you know, like a dad will do, he, he finally prodded until he found out what the deal was. He said, let's go. I go, oh, oh, oh. Billy's down there. That's why he said, let's go. Huh? Let's go. So we walked right on back down to the store. Huh? Oh, Billy's still in the store. You know what? I remember walking by him, my head up, kind of like this. My dad was right here on this side of me. My dad was about 300 pounds and didn't care what. I mean, you know, he just didn't give a flip either. And uh, what I'm saying is when I know my daddy's with me, I look the devil right in the face and just sort of stared at him. Almost like, what you going to do? You can do that when you know the battle's not yours. I know if he'd have popped off and said something, Daddy would have said, hold it right there. Amen. We're going to put a stop to this right here in the little magic market here in Columbus, Georgia. We're going to fix this right here. That was just Daddy's style. You understand when you know that Daddy's with you, and I'm here to tell you, Daddy's with you. It is not your battle. It's his battle. So stay faithful to him. And let me ask you this. You think Daddy would have come with me if I had been acting a fool? You think he would have stuck up for me like that if I had done a bunch of wayward things? No. Stay faithful. The battle's not yours. You, when you realize the Lord's got this thing, it'll take the pressure off you. With the knowledge that the battle belongs to Him, I'm motivated to be brave. I'm motivated to say, come on, Billy. Y'all with me? When you understand, you serve the one that can make a difference. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Man, where's time going? Uh, it, it, you know, 1 Timothy says in 6 and 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto you have been called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Notice with me, and I'll try to read this quick. I want to give you the battle round. Here it is. The Philistines are set up against Israel. Uh, Saul, who's the king of Israel, he's scared out of his mind. He thinks Billy's in town. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He's shaking like a leaf. The great men of Israel are shaking like a leaf. And Goliath, the Philistine giant, who's nine feet, nine inches tall. Huh? Y'all with me? Has a 125-pound coat of mail. Huh? The shaft of his spear weighed 15 pounds. He's a bad boy. Are y'all with me? And he's taunting them every day. Send me out a warrior to fight. Let me, let me just read this real quick. Uh, the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another in the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, he come out of the Philistine camp, six cubit spans, nine foot nine. Uh, he had a bronze helmet on his head, wore a coat of scale of armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels, uh, 125 pounds. On his legs were the bronze greaves and the bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, uh, 15 pounds. Um, his shield bearer went ahead of him. Notice this. Goliath here can represent... Any battle that you're facing. Goliath here represents the, the, the round that you're in right now. Goliath was bigger than anybody else that they'd ever seen before. He was overwhelming. He was scary. He was all of those things that Israel didn't want to see, but there he was. Whatever you're facing, I'm telling you, Goliath represents it in this story. Let's go on. 
Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? And I'm a Philistine and you're the servants of Saul. Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I'll overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistine said, what's this? This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Are you all with me? So there's Goliath. He's already put out his threat. The giant Goliath came every day for 40 days. 40 days he, he said these things. And let me say this. I, I want to make an observation before I get too wrapped up in this. Watch this. Here's the observation. When you get ready to fight, you will always have somebody questioning your motive. What's this? Verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother. And see, David's brothers. Let me give you a little history. David's father, Jesse, had sent David to the battlefield to check on them. Because David's brothers was in the army. So he sent them with some cheeses and some, you know, some groceries. And said, hey, give this. Check on your brothers and make sure everything's going good. So he, the Bible says when Eliab, that's David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and he asked, why have you come down here? And whom did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? Isn't it amazing when somebody, like he's looking, his older brother's looking down on him, like who did you leave them few sheep with? In other words, what you do is so unimportant. What we're doing is real important. Y'all with me? Say amen. Y'all ain't never talked to nobody like that, have you? And I know how conceited you are, how wicked your heart is. You came only to watch the battle. Now, what I, David said, what have I done? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him and said, uh, what David said uh, was overheard and then reported to Saul. Let me say this. When you're living right, somehow God will get word to whoever, whoever needs to hear it to put you in the right place. Are you with me? Let me go on. So David went to Saul because Saul heard about it. And he called him. He says, Saul, King Saul, don't lose heart over this on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go. That's another thing. About time you get ready to fight and do something great for God, somebody's going to say, you ain't able. Who do you think you are? I mean, we're trained army men here. We done been through boot camp. We know how to operate this grenade launcher. We know how to do this stuff. And all you've been doing is looking after the sheep. People will always underestimate who you are. That's one thing in the flesh, but who I am in God is something else. Paul says, look here, friends. He said, don't look on this outward body. Don't let this outward body fool you that's perishing. Oh, yeah, getting a few wrinkles, getting gray, some's turning loose and all that. He said, but don't let this fool you. Though the outward man's perishing, the inward man is getting stronger in the Lord every day. So, uh... Saul said, you're not able to go against him, this Philistine, and fight him. You're only a young man. And he's been a warrior since he was a young man. But David said in verse 34 to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. A lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock. I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned, uh, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. 
this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will also rescue me from this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. He thought that was it. I'm sending this young boy out to die. Go and the Lord be with you. I want to tell you something. If you, you remember there's a time in David's life where David said, I'll go up, Lord, but I'm not going to go up if you don't go with me. Remember the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of the Lord. And God said, go. So you cannot lose. The battle is not yours. Listen. So what's this? I want to make another observation. I'm going to try to tie this up. There will always be people that want you to fight the way they fight. Saul said, put on this armor. Put on this, this, this dress, this attire. So Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him, verse 38, and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened the sword and the tunic and he tried to walk around, but he, he wasn't used to them. couldn't do it. So he said, I cannot go with these because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones. Listen, people will try to tell you how to do it. People are going to try to tell you how to fight. People are going to try to tell you to have success when they have not had it themselves. I don't need anybody telling me how to get out of debt that's bankrupt. I don't need anybody telling me how to lose weight that weighs 400 pounds. Hello? I don't need somebody telling me how to lift weights that can't lift their own weight. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want somebody who's tried and true. Somebody's been there and done that. Let me move on. So he said, I cannot do it your way. i got to do it my way. My way is God's way. Are you hearing me? In other words, God had already instructed him as to what to do. So I don't have to depend on the way that church is doing it or that church is doing it. I have to be led by the Lord to do it the way God said for us to do it. So what God has to do, God will do. Here's something you got to understand. Um, so what you need, to, you, you just got to, if you know the battle's God's, what that did for you was let you know. It, it, it ought to have motivated you to say, I can't lose. God's on my side. So knowing that, you ought to be willing to fight and say, I, I can do this. If God will go with me, I can do it. Are you with me? Say Amen. And what you need to know is this. If you decide to say, you know what, I can fight. What are you talking about? I can fight this addiction. I can fight this marriage problem. I can fight this, this belief issue. Is God who God says He is? Should I be this? Should I be that? Should I join this church, that church, or the other church? What about this? What about that? Whatever the battles are. I don't know what they are. There's varied battles, many of them. With God on your side, you cannot lose. That ought to motivate you. So uh, that's why you need to fight. Get in the fight because if he's on your side, you got everything to win, nothing to lose. All right, let me, let me, let me try to tie this up. It's going to be tough. Verse 41 says, Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield... Uh, bear in front of him kept coming closer to David, and he looked at David over, and, and he looked David over and saw him. He's nothing more than a boy, glowing health and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, "Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks?" And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. 
I mean, David walks out among this nine foot nine giant. He's probably Adam size. Y'all with me? And Goliath says, you send a pretty boy out here to me. You send somebody out here who's handsome and healthy and all of this, but you think he's a match for me? Goliath was embarrassed that they sent someone so small, such a pretty boy, to fight this guy. Watch this. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword, spear, and a javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied this day. This day, listen to this young pretty boy talk right here. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut your head off. This very day I'll give your carcass, the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the wild and the animals, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword nor the spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. Saul and the armies, the lieutenants and the captains, I imagine they're probably clapping, oh Lord, let, better help that young boy. He's pretty and handsome, but he's just now said a whole lot of stuff that probably ticked off Goliath. The Philistine moved closer to him to attack him. Verse 48, David ran, hey, what's that? That's a new revelation. David ran toward the battle. So many of us spend time running away from it and David ran to it. That's what you can do when you realize it ain't your fight. When you realize that God's with you, you can run to the battle. And David ran to the battle. Let me say this. I meant to tell you. We're in the voice series. And David spoke as the voice of the sovereign Lord. We're getting there. David ran quickly to the battle, reaching into his bag. He took a stone. He slung it. Struck the Philistine in his forehead. I want you to understand, if you could understand the, the armor that he had on, there was only one opening. His eyes right here, and just a little bit of his forehead showed. That stone sunk deep into his forehead. And this big giant fell backwards, and so was born to saying, bigger they are, harder they fall. Are you with me? bigger they are, the harder they fall. He said he struck him in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead. He fell down to the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. Watch this. Verse 51. David ran over and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword. Watch this. Prophecy about to be fulfilled. One minute ago, he said, today I'll cut your head off. The guy laughed. <laughs> Who do you think you are, pretty boy? You're just a dog that you've come out to fight me. You don't even have a sword. You don't even have on armor. You're not going to make it. You're not going to last. He took hold of the Philistine sword. Here's Goliath, this big behemoth of a man. Nine feet, nine inches tall. Laid out. David walks over. I don't know if he put his finger... But he reached and he grabbed that sword. I imagine he might have looked back to Israel over on the hill. And he come down with one big swath. And he reached down and grabbed him by his hair. 
Listen, people will look at you and laugh when they see your outward appearance, but they cannot see your heart. When Goliath looked at David, he saw a cute little boy, nothing more than a handsome young man. But, but listen, to his dismay and to his eventual demise, he overlooked the warrior spirit in David's heart. Remember, even when Samuel come to anoint David king of Israel, the Lord says to Samuel, do not look on their outward appearance. I don't look on their outward appearance. I look on their heart. Goliath made a dangerous and deadly miscalculation about David and his abilities. Listen to me. He calculated that this battle was this handsome lad's, this cute young man's. But he failed to consider that the battle belonged to God. And David was just God's representative on the field that day. Such are some of us. God's representatives when we go back to work tomorrow. God's representative when we come home to, to a child that's wayward. God's representative when we're dealing with problems. The battle is not yours, it's God's. Well, you might better stand with me. When you fight the fight like this, God will be honored and he'll bring honor to you. Notice this, verse 54. David took the Philistine's head and he brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. You know what David did? I like this. David took the weapons that the Philistines had, the, the, um, the, the, the javelin, the sword. He took all that. He walked back to Israel with it. He's got, he's got the, the head of the giant Goliath in his hand. He's got all this equipment. And I believe that he put that equipment in his house so that when he faced another battle that he was wondering, am I ever going to be able to make it? He probably went over to his dresser and looked above it and saw the sword that he cut off Goliath's head. And instead of God, help me through that. God will help me through this. And Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine. He said to Abner, the commander of the army, watch this. You understand, Saul was king. Abner was the general of his army. He said, Abner, whose son is this young man? Abner said, as surely as you live, your majesty, I don't know. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. Find out. Do you understand that David was in the lineage of Jesus? Huh? For Boaz begat Obed. You remember Boaz, the kinsman redeemer? Ruth. Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David, and David begat Solomon, and Solomon Rehoboam, right on down to Jesus. But Saul said, I want to know who his daddy is. I want you to find out. And as soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him before Saul. And David, still holding the Philistine's head. <laughs> Whose son are you, young man? Saul asking, David said, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse, of Bethlehem. Here's what I want you to know as I leave you today. If you take serious the fact that it's God's battle and you'll be faithful to him, then you've got to understand that God is on your side. That God's on your side. 
I'm going to read you this two passages of Scripture and then we're going to pray. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul the Apostle, great man of God, said this. I think it's reminiscent of some of our battles. Paul said this. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, he said it like this, and here's how we'll, uh, here's how we'll come to our prayer. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Look at your neighbor and say, don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. What? Hear me, hear me, hear me. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, and the things which are not seen are eternal. What I want to tell you is this. I don't care what it looks like. We're not even looking at things that we can measure, things that we can see. The Bible says we're looking at things that we cannot see, for those things are eternal. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.